Welcome to the Jerk Training Podcast. I got a couple of questions from listeners and I wanted to share it with everyone else. The listeners wanted more information on salvia, which is a hallucinogenic drug, and another listener wanted more information on scissor, which is an opiate. Both are completely different and they're both are used infrequently, but they do show up enough that other cops, parents, and drug-free businesses should know about it. Welcome to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves, a police officer who spent 28 years specialising in drug investigations and who regularly teaches law enforcement officers, private businesses and concerned families on spotting and dealing with drug use. This podcast is the essential resource for both professionals and individuals who need practical help, advice and insight. Now, here's your host, Keith Graves. Welcome back to the Drug Training Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Graves from OnlineDrugTraining.com. Before we start, I want to ask my listeners for a little bit of help. I'm starting my thesis for my master's degree. The topic is about drug abuse by police officers. As part of my study, I need to talk to as many police officers that have suffered from drug abuse as possible. The interview that I do with them will be completely confidential. So if you or someone you know is LEO, and has suffered or is suffering from the effects of drug abuse, contact me at podcast at onlinedrugtraining.com. I will be the only one monitoring that email address, so I'll keep all of your information completely confidential. Okay, back with the show. This week, I'll be talking about salvia and scissor. These are two drugs that are completely different, but came up in questions by listeners looking for more information. So here we go. First off, Salvia is really called Salvia divinorum. The history of its use goes back to the Mazatec Indians, and typically people smoke it, but it can be orally ingested or chewed. When people smoke it, they're going to smoke it in a marijuana pipe, in a marijuana bong, or you know, similar like you would smoke marijuana. It has hallucinogenic effects, and with larger doses, it's similar to PCP or LSD. It's very, very intense. In fact, in the show notes that I'm going to put at onlinedrugtraining.com. They won't be necessarily in the show notes that you see on iTunes or whatever service you use to listen. But if you go to onlinedrugtraining.com and you look up this podcast, The Briefing Room, I'll make sure I put a couple of videos of people under the influence of salvia. Also, I'll put some influence videos of people under the influence of uh, scissorp as well. Salvia Divinorum, where are you going to buy it? You're going to buy it usually at a head shop. I've seen them in gas stations. You could buy it on the internet. And it's come in different strengths, and it's going to be measured in X's. So like 5X, 10X, 15X. 5X is the least powerful. If you have 10X, it's going to be more powerful than 5. 15X will be more powerful than 10. The effects that you have from salvia can be vary from a subtle experience to a full-blown psychedelic experience. Because of the dissociated state that the user is going to be in, most users remain unmoving during their experience. If a user does become mobile, they risk injury due to extreme impairment of their motor skills. So most people, when they use salvia, they have somebody there called a sitter, and it's somebody there to monitor them to make sure that they don't do something stupid that's going to get them hurt. So when we look at the amount of time that people are going to be high on salvia, it's really short. Short enough that if somebody was going to call you about their bizarre behaviors, by the time you show up and get to the call, they're going to be completely sober. So the total duration 
that they're high is going to be anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. That's really short. When you look at LSD, you're high for upwards of 12 hours. So realistically, it is super, super short. The onset is anywhere from 20 to 60 seconds if they smoke it. And they plateau out, meaning that they reach the highest point at 5 to 10 minutes. And within 15 to 30 minutes, they start coming down. And the after effects, think like kind of like a hangover, is there for 15 to 20 minutes more. When you buy it online or you know at the, at the head shop, it's going to come in these little silver packages with just a, a few grams of the product. And to me, it looks like lawn clippings when I look at it in the package. But I have seen officers confuse it with marijuana. I'm not sure why because they look completely different, but I've seen people get confused. It'll be in that little silvery package that you see sold in the head shop. It's pretty cheap when you look at the high. Now, the legality of it, it's legal in most states. Now, there's a few states that have outlawed it or have restricted use from minors, but realistically, it's not a controlled substance right now, and you really don't have a lot of uh, charging opportunities with it. However, you still have DUI. Is somebody really going to be able to drive DUI on this stuff? It's going to be a tough DUI. Number one, they're not going to be able to uh, function properly to even start the car. In fact, I'm going to show you a video. If you go to uh, onlinejerktraining.com to the briefing room, look up at the show notes for this podcast. I'm going to put in a video of a guy that tries to drive on salvia. It's absolutely hilarious, and you'll see why it's almost impossible for them to drive. Okay, so the hallucinogenic uh, effects that you're going to see on that person when they're under the influence... You'll see stimulation, synesthesia, which is a transposing of the senses, tremors, sweating, hyperactivity, paranoia, disorientation, confusion, obviously hallucinations. When uh, you look at somebody under the influence of a hallucinogen, their pupils are really dilated. That's the first thing you're going to see. When you make contact with that guy, their pupils are going to be huge. I mean, there's I've seen some people, like uh, when you look at a pupil, the pupil is the black part of your of your eye, and it's inside the color part of your eye. That space can expand to 11 and a half millimeters. I have seen people fill that entire space where you see no color when they're under the influence of a hallucinogen. Now, is it like that for everybody? No, but like if that space is 11 and a half millimeters, I've seen eight millimeter sized pupils routinely. That's normal and 10 millimeters as well on people under the influence of a hallucinogen. Okay, so let's talk about Scissorp. Now, Scissorp is an opiate. What they're gonna do is they're gonna take a bottle of cough syrup, and that cough syrup is promethazine, which is an antihistamine or a CNS depressant that's used to reduce nausea. It's mixed with codeine, which is a natural alkaloid of opium, which is gonna suppress coughing. So it's codeine, this opiate, mixed with a CNS depressant, promethazine. If you were to get a bottle of this from the pharmacy because you had a bad cough, you'll go pick it up at the pharmacy, you'll bring it home, and that bottle will probably sit around for a few years and you'll barely make a dent in it. And you'll forget about it, it'll expire, and you'll throw it away at some point. These guys are going to drink a whole bottle. So what you're going to end up doing is you're going to, well, this is a how-to class, but this is what they're going to do. Uh, what they're going to do is they're going to go ahead and take that bottle of Scissorp, or a bottle of promethazine with codeine, and they're going to mix it up with Sprite or some other soda. Sprite's the most common one that I see, or 7-Up. And they're going to pour that into a 2-liter bottle that has Sprite in it. 
Then they're going to put Jolly Ranchers in there. And then they're going to shake it up. And then they're going to pour it once it's all mixed up. Then they're going to pour it into a, a cup. And it seems like it's always a styrofoam cup with crushed ice, not ice cubes, but crushed ice. And then they're going to pour it in there and they're going to sip it for a while. In fact, when you look at some of the slang terms, uh, like lean, it's meant that you just lean back and you drink it. It also goes by the nickname of purple stuff, uh, scissor, purple jelly, uh, syrup, drank, perp. Uh, really the biggest ones that I see, perp, purple jelly, purple stuff, lean, and scissor are the ones that I see uh, used out on the street most often. When you see somebody under the influence, they're going to have the general indicators just like every other opiate drug. Think like heroin or something. They'll be on the nod, meaning that when you're looking at them, it looks like they're asleep or like they're trying to stay awake. They'll be on the nod like that. But something to keep in mind for the officers, when people are on the nod, it looks like they're asleep, but know that they know everything you're saying. So as an example, we were doing DRE certifications in Stockton, California, which is a lovely city. We had a guy that was on the nod. And I was instructing some students how on another person on how they were going to do their DRE sort or how they were going to do their DRE evaluation. When I woke the guy up that was on the nod and told him, "Hey, we're going to go do an evaluation," he had recognized me and I had arrested him before. He said, "Hey, let you guys know that I heard everything." And I'm like, "Oh, what'd you hear?" And he goes, "That guy right there, he's building a new house. Is having a having a deck put in and gave some explicit details about where this guy lived." So just keep in mind, just because their eyes are closed doesn't mean that they're asleep. They'll have euphoria, droopy eyelids, a dry mouth, slow reflexes, nausea, a slow raspy voice, and constricted pupils. Constricted pupils are going to be the first thing that you're going to see when you walk up on them. I mean, you might see the appearance of them being very lethargic and slow. You might see them on the nod, but when they open up their eyes and you start having a conversation with that guy, you're going to see pencil point pupils. They are going to be super small, uh, smaller than three millimeters. So... Some other things about purple drink. There's a kind that Kaiser, uh, a hospital on the on the West Coast, dispenses to people that are asking for it. Theirs is not purple. Theirs is clear. And that's not the one they want. They want the purple stuff. I don't know why. It's exactly the same. It's got the same stuff in it all the way around, but they want the purple stuff. So just know that that's what they want. Okay, those are our alert tones. Those are what police officers hear in their cars when uh, dispatch wants everybody to pay attention because something important is happening. Uh, we're using it in this session so we talk about an article that's important for you. Here, I'm looking at an article from San Francisco's CBS affiliate station, KPIX. They ran a story called Fungus and Medical Marijuana Eyed as Possible Cause in California Man's Death. Just to sum it up a little bit here, they had a guy die. He would, had a beatable cancer. He was a young man that had a cancer that he could beat. And he was also a medicinal marijuana patient. And the young man had died from a fungal infection, which was unusual. So knowing that he was a medical marijuana user, the doctor backtracked and realized that there were several other patients that had fungal infections that were causing them problems. So the doctor joined forces with Steep Hill Laboratories in Berkeley, and they, do, they test marijuana on a routine basis around California. Steep Hill said that, and I quote them, we sometimes see 20 to 30% of our samples coming through the lab significantly contaminated with molds. So they gathered 20 samples of medical marijuana from across California. They took them apart, pulling out a range of dangerous bacteria and fungi which they analyzed right down to the DNA. 
90% of those samples had some type of mold or fungus in it. Now, for cops that are working marijuana grows, we know that's no surprise because they're disgusting places. But what I want to bring up is it's important for us to make sure that we wear proper safety equipment when we work marijuana grows. If people are dying and getting sick from fungus from using it, from using just a little bit, we're talking they've got a couple grams or maybe an ounce or two, you're tearing down marijuana grows or you're recovering 40 pounds of marijuana. What's that going to happen to you? You're going to have significant health problems. And I've been advocating for a long time. If you take down a marijuana grow, you need to treat that like a drug lab. You need to be wearing level B, which is a respirator in a Tyvek suit, and you need to have decontamination procedures in place when you're done. I know a lot of cops, I was one of them, where we didn't think marijuana was a problem. You'd chop, chop down a marijuana grow, and that stuff would be all over your clothes, and you would laugh when you got home that you smelled like a dispensary. But now you're bringing that into your house, too. So it's really important if you're dealing with bulk marijuana or you're dealing with a marijuana grow, you have to wear level B to protect yourself. I got a good friend of mine uh, who was a uh, cop assigned to a marijuana task force up in Northern California. He got the fungus in his lungs and he was on a ventilator for two weeks and almost died. This is serious. There are a lot of cops that have been contaminated with this fungus. So here they did the study and found 90% of the samples were contaminated with a, with a mold or a fungus. You need to protect yourselves. All right, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also find the show notes, not just here on iTunes, but look for better show notes in the briefing room. I'll put up a blog that'll have this podcast up with it, and I'll have a little bit more uh, information and videos for you as well. If you have any questions like was asked of me here, feel free to email me, podcast at onlinedrugtraining.com. I like hearing from you guys. So that's it for now. Stay safe. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Drug Training Podcast with Keith Graves. We'd love to hear your comments and respond to your questions in future episodes. Visit our accompanying website at www.onlinedrugtraining.com for more information, advice, training, and to get in touch. And join us again on the next edition of the Drug Training Podcast.